0: to bring the Messiah into the world through her womb. You certainly could not blame her if she took the same out that Jeremiah tried to take. She was greatly afraid, and understandably so. But the power of the Holy Spirit would soon come upon her. The power of the Most High would overshadow her, and she would be a servant of the Lord. And then, of course, we read 1 Timothy 4.12. There's a reason this verse has been plastered on every single youth room wall in the history of the American church. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Timothy was a young man thrust into a very difficult ministry context in the city of Ephesus. But Paul encouraged Timothy to let his holiness do the talking, especially when his fellow believers, many of whom were older than him, might question or doubt his authority. God has a track record of using young people for his purposes in astounding ways in the past, and he can still do it today. Another point to consider is that the gospel is good news for all of us. But it's also good news for young people specifically. A man named Augustine was born in 354 A.D. And he converted to Christianity as an adult, potentially in his 30s. And in Augustine's confessions, he spends a lot of time looking back on the sins of his youth. Looking back on the days when he was dominated by lust and greed and ambition. And he confesses those sins to God. He repents of how he fell short. But Augustine also rejoiced that by God's grace, the sins of his youth were no longer held against him. The sins of his youth did not define him. He was forgiven and saved through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And in the same way, the sins of your youth do not have to define you. That's a message for all of us to remember, not just the young. But all of us need to remember that the sins of our youth do not define us when we were in Christ. You may look at your sins and feel that you are already beyond redemption. You're already damaged goods beyond repair. But like Augustine, you too can find mercy, forgiveness, and reconciliation with God through Christ. Jesus once told his disciples to have faith like a child, a kind of humility and dependence upon Christ for what you need, like a helpless kid depending on a parent for their needs. And the good news of the gospel is that no one who looks to Christ with faith will be let down. As we start to wrap up this portion of the sermon, we're often told that youth is the time for us to find ourselves. Discover who we are. Well, as a former young person, and you might laugh at that, but I did just barely make the cut for the middle age category of this sermon series. As a former young person, and really anyone else in this room who's over the age of 30, we can relate to the challenges of trying to discover who you are. And I think the older people among us might even tell us But in some ways, the challenge of finding out who you are and where you belong, your skills, your passions, your personality, your strengths, your weaknesses, that challenge never really truly ends because we all change over time. But the gospel tells us who we really are. It tells us that we were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It tells us that sin... Once left us separated from God, worthy of punishment, in desperate need of the grace that only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. But now we know that we are reconciled to God. That we can now fulfill our purpose of worshiping, obeying, loving, and enjoying him forever. Again, the world might tell us when we're young that this season of life is all about finding ourselves. But the gospel gives us the answer. Now I mentioned that we were going to bring a few of the youths up here on stage, and so now's the time for them to come up. So I've asked a few different young people to come up. I've asked the Bunnels, the Densmores, and Sarah Fenimore to join me on stage this morning. So come on up, Bunnells, Densmores, and Sarah. And each week, the goal is to get a relatively diverse group of people up here. People who might have different perspectives, different thoughts, different experiences, even though they're all in the same season of life. And then on top of that, I've also tried to get people up here each week who you don't normally see on stage. So the way we worked this is that everyone on stage received five questions, and they sent me written responses over the past few weeks. And those questions were these, and we have them on the screen. What are the unique challenges of following Jesus in this season of life? What are the unique opportunities you have to follow Jesus in this season of life? What wisdom would you offer an older believer? Because, yes, we can learn from young people sometimes. Question number four. How can your brothers and sisters in Christ better serve, pray for, and encourage you? And then question number five. What unique contributions can you make to the body of Christ at your age? So those are the questions they were asked. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to the bundles. They're going to start us off. So feel free to pass the microphone back and forth. Make sure you hold it really close to your mouth. That way everybody can hear you. Got it. There you go. <laughs> so if you don't know them, this is Wayne and Amber and their son Thomas. Uh, They've been married for coming up on two years now. Thomas was born earlier this year, and I asked them to join us. So Wayne and Amber and Thomas. (laughs) Question number one. In your answers, you mentioned the challenges of being newlyweds, namely melding your two families together. So I would want to know, and maybe everybody else in here would want to know, especially the young people, What guidance would you give to a fellow young believer who is considering marriage in the future or hopes to marry in the future? So what wisdom, what guidance might you give those potential husbands and wives in this room?
1: Uh, So we talked about and prayed about this after we got that back from Pastor Ben. And the one thing that we were most sure we wanted to say was, you have to be a united team. When you get married you are with your spouse. You're you are coming away from your family. It's not completely leaving them. You still love them. But you definitely have to make your spouse
2: first. You are the new family at that point.
1: But at the same time, while I say that, I'm gonna kinda contradict it, it's important too, to balance your spouse's family and your family then into your life. So it's important to make sure that while you are the priority family, you are not leaving out your spouse's family or vice versa. They're leaving yours out because that gets hurt feelings and things like that. And it, it's, a, it's a difficult road to travel. Uh, it's not easy.
3: It's a balancing act.
1: It is a balancing act. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but, but it is. And uh, that if you stick together as a team with each other... Um, you are going to find that so much easier to weather. Uh, If you are pulled apart by your separate families into what you should or shouldn't be doing, it is much harder to make your family the center that it should be.
0: The two shall become one flesh, right? There you go. Okay, second question for Wayne and Amber. Uh, Under your answer to the question, what are the unique opportunities you have to follow Jesus in this season of life? Uh, you said that it allows you to consciously make Jesus the center of your family. And I really liked that phrase, and I'll read it again. To consciously make Jesus the center of your family. So how exactly have you gone about doing that? Making Jesus the center of your family.
1: So I think the, the consciously part is the really important part to that. Um, and that is that we we actually, before we got married talked about what do we want our life to look like for the two of us and then for the three of us, Then we talked about Jesus. We wanted Jesus to be a very major part of our lives. I grew up when I was really young with Jesus as a major part of my life and then kind of fell away from that and for a while, and obviously I'm back, um, but and it's, it's better. It's better with Jesus. Jesus makes everything better. Um, and we knew we wanted that to be a major part of our married life and, and our individual lives. Um, so we work really hard, um, and we still fail at it. Trust me, we're not like preaching that we're, uh, <laughs> we're perfect at it or anything. Um, but trying to pray together a lot more. Um, trying to read the, you know, the Bible and, and other biblical books, you know, um, together Uh, that's a really big one that we often struggle with because we get busy and we think we don't need to take an hour to read that chapter we were going to read um but when we do take that hour and make that a priority in our lives make that a part of it it is so much better for us and we both feel just better with each other better about our lives less stress and i know that sounds contradictory because it's like well but you have to put other things on hold and you're stressing about those um but you you make that conscious decision to make it a part of your life at that moment, and it does feel so much better, and it does so much better.
3: Yep, you said it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that might be another marriage tip uh, for the for the young people. Yes, dear. Yeah, in, in all seriousness, part of the reason I thought that phrase was good is is you know, like we mentioned a few minutes ago from the Book of Proverbs. Um, it's certainly easier to form good habits when you're young uh, than when you're old. Not that it can't be done. Of course, people change and people grow and people mature uh, by the grace of God and and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But it's certainly uh, good for us to develop godly virtues and godly habits earlier rather than later. Okay, last question for the bundles. Uh, You've talked more than once in your answers about the challenge of becoming parents. Uh, So how specifically can the church better serve the two of you, better serve Thomas, and how can we better serve young families like yours? Uh, whether it's a single mom, a single dad, uh, parents with one kid or two kids or three kids or adopted kids or whatever that might look like, how can the church better serve and pray for and encourage young families like yours?
3: Um. Just uh, kind of prayer and
0: support. Um, Everybody has, you know, the older generation has gone through this and and being able to talk about it and and being like, yep, I was in your shoes. You know, I had a discussion this morning already about our our five-hour trip that, well, that turned into a -a six-and-a-half, seven-hour trip to Missouri and talking about how Amber's climbing
3: back in the back of the car on the way as, you know, we're driving, we can't stop again, we got to, so she's (laughs) going back to feed the baby and and I'm just, okay, keep going and. You know, um, relating and being like, "Hey, you're not the only one going through this. This is, this is normal. This is, you know, kind of all of that. Some of that um, confirmation that you're not alone. I think that's that's a big part of it.
1: Um, yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. Um, but I would also say uh, that it's important to um, Talk to those families about something other than them just being new parents. <laughs> um, I guess in 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 a, in a way, you know, to help them realize that that's not all they are. Uh, there's been times where I think um, I think we can relate to this too. We feel like that's all we are now, <laughs> um, and we've lost our individual identities. We've lost our identities as other things, um, and, and trying to balance that out and regain. You know, we're not just parents. Of course, we love being parents, and we're very happy about that. But we're also two individuals, and we're also still a married couple who want to go do things without the kid, you know, and things like that. I think all families can relate to that feeling. Um, and just to, you know, the the balancing act. Pray and support that balancing act of, you know, not completely being just one thing um, because we're human and we're not. <laughs>
0: Okay. And does it help or hurt when we glare at you when your kid cries during the service? Uh,
1: it's funny. We actually talked about that, we disagree. <laughs> what do you know um, about that? I would say it actually helps if you glare at me, <laughs> and Wayne would say he gets really weird feeling when people are looking at him, so he's going to leave. Um yeah, I guess that's just the, the different individual.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you can pass the microphone down to the Densmores. i uh, got a couple questions for the Densmores. Uh, if you don't know the Densmores, uh, this is Caleb and Alyssa. Uh, they've been married for a couple years now, uh, started coming to Prairie View not long after they got married. Uh, so, yeah, Caleb and Alyssa, we'll start with you. Uh, so question number one, what are the unique challenges of following Jesus in this season of life? Uh, to that question, you talked about making the transition from predominantly Christian environments, uh, whether it be home environments or K-12 through education or college, uh, and transitioning into the more secular realm of existence, if you want to call it that. Uh, so how specifically has that been challenging for you, and what wisdom might you offer to a young Christian who is going through the same thing? They're going from... Homeschool to public school. They're going from high school to the workforce, high school to college, uh, college to a career. Whatever transitions they might be in, what, what's been hard for you, and what guidance might you give them?
2: Um, well, I would say we both grew up in very Christian environments. Our parents are Christians. We went to Christian uh, elementary, middle school, high school. We went to a Christian college. We went to youth groups. Like, we had... Jesus kind of shoved at us every single day um, just because of the environment that we were in. And what we found when we left college was all of a sudden, like, Jesus wasn't being brought to us. God wasn't being brought to us every single day like, um, like it was when we had chapel or we had our small group made out of people on the floor in our dorm that we saw every single day. Um, and so it's been, uh, it was kind of unexpected. I don't know why, but it was unexpected that we were like, oh, we have to create these moments now in our lives where we're intentionally seeking out God and intentionally seeking out, um, this community that we've kind of relied on our whole lives to bring us closer to God. And it's now kind of on us to, to make the choice to continue pursuing God every single day instead of kind of being led to him. Um, that was, I think that was just an unexpected challenge of graduating from a Christian school and having grown up in a Christian environment our whole lives. And I know that not everyone has that same experience, but that was something that we noticed. Um, and so I don't know what wisdom there is besides like recognizing that and making the choice to, um, like do devotions together, making sure that we're praying every day, making sure that we're in God's word, um, because we don't necessarily, there's no other way we're going to get it unless we make that choice ourselves. And so it was kind of a transition into being more intentional than we ever had to before about our relationship with God.
0: Okay. And then question number two, uh, you talked more than once in your answers about uh, people your age who are questioning aspects of the Christian faith, uh, people who are wrestling with doubt, uh, some to the point of abandoning the faith altogether. Uh, And so from your experience... What aspects of the Christian faith do you think young believers are struggling with the most? And how can Christians and churches kind of walk the fine line of being gracious, being patient, being open to questions, uh, while also not just going with the flow of whatever culture says? Everyone glare at Amber. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jens Morris, go ahead. Give us your answer. Hold the microphone close to your mouth. That way people can hear you.
3: Okay. Um, uh, So that is a very complex question. uh, It is. Yeah. I could go on at length about. But um, uh, in my experience, I think it boils down to, well, it's not boils down to, but there are different areas that I think are especially challenging. Um, I mean, you have, like, the classic issues like the problem of evil and, and suffering that, I mean, we're all still, like, you know, like, at the thing. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, in my experience, I think something a lot of young Christians kind of struggle with are uh, a lot of the uh, like the strong ties between uh, Christianity and certain movements, like, political movements. I don't want to get too into, into that, um, but, like, for example, a, uh, a previous mentor of mine from my Christian high school, uh, his wife on Facebook told me that he would be very disappointed in uh, a very neutral opinion that I shared on Facebook, I think, uh, and that, you know, like, that's hard to hear, especially when you're, uh, like, that was someone who you looked up to, who you, who you saw as, like, a, a strong Christian believer. I'm not trying to say don't have strong convictions, but... Uh, try not to be hostile about them, um, cause, like, you have an influence on, on the young people that you, that you kind of mentor and pour to. Um, another area that I think is closer to me that, uh, I personally struggled with in college was the, uh, relationship between faith and science. Um, I am, uh, I personally, so, to give you some backstory, I grew up uh, in a, a household and grew up through schools and uh, and was and largely helped to like a young Earth uh, creation in seven days. Uh, and uh, if you look in a storage unit somewhere that we that my parents own, I'm sure there's like a stockpile of Ken Ham books that I own. Um, and uh, and in college, as I started learning more about, uh, about science and, uh, geology, et cetera, uh, I had some very real struggles with doubt, uh, about, well, like, we observed this, but all my life I believed this, and then you have Ken Ham, who, uh, in his publications and in his speaking engagements, which I have attended, uh, very, he very, uh, unequivocally drives home the idea that if you do not hold a literal interpretation of Genesis, that you compromise the whole of scripture. And so I'm dealing with that. Like, <coughs> like if I, if I don't, uh, if I don't believe in creation in seven days, what is my faith? Even? Right. Um, and, uh, I guess my only like wisdom I would share to the church. And I think, uh, in your like sermon about this topic about Genesis one, uh, you did a really good job. Uh, where like we don't have to in some areas like we don't have to deal with absolutes, and it's not like a battle in in school it it especially in high school, it always felt like a battle like in my Christian science classrooms, is like well, the secular scientists are trying to disprove god uh and uh, and I think that's really harmful uh, to a uh, harmful ideology to have uh, but yeah so that was. That's my thing. Um, I'd be happy to talk to you about creation versus an old earth. (laughs) Alyssa can attest that I can speak at length about this. Um, But, yeah, I don't know if I'm in the minority here. But, yeah.
0: I don't know. Are people glaring at you? I
2: I think I would just add that there there are a lot of questions like that that I think our friends have gone through. Uh, And so it's been interesting to just watch that and, I guess, kind of think well, if they're struggling so deeply with these questions, that these are people that I've grown up with um, who, you know, gone to the same schools as me, had the same teaching as me, and they're struggling with these things, should I also be struggling with them? Should I also start to question the things that I've been taught my whole life? Um, and so especially with, like, the tougher questions where it feels like these whole there are these large church movements that are so drastically against it and see it as black and white but it doesn't seem so black and white, it, it, it starts to be really hard to, like, figure out what's right to believe. And if I'm not so sure about this, can I be so sure about this other thing that, is, that I'm starting to question? Um, and so just those, those struggles seem hard to navigate when everyone around us seems to be having the same struggles and the same questions.
0: So I think the challenge for the church uh, is basically the same challenge it has always been, um, which is how do we hold core doctrines core? Uh, how do we determine which core doctrines are core and which core doctrines maybe aren't core? We've made them core and they shouldn't be core. Um, and then, of course, whatever doctrines we hold, whatever doctrines we teach, uh, the ones that are core, we stand by them and we stick with them and we boldly, courageously preach them. Uh, while at the same time allowing room for disagreement where we can, always operating with humility, always operating with grace and patience and understanding and and willingness to listen and willingness to talk and and all that stuff. So, okay. And then final question for the Densmores, uh, because we are starting to get a little short on time. Uh, Question number three, uh, you talked about having more free time in this season of life uh, than maybe people who are younger than you, maybe people who are older than you. Um, why do you think that's the case? Uh, how can you use your free time for God's glory? And if you have so much free time, why don't you do more around here?
3: <laughs> uh, thank you, Ben. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, uh, we talked about this uh, on the drive here, but um, one of, I think one of the bigger kind of distinctions with us is, well, we don't have, like, children. Uh, we have a, a corgi who is basically a child to us. Um, <laughs> um, but, and, uh, we don't have very many kind of solid commitments that we've made. I mean, we're new-ish to the area. Um, and aside from work engagements and various different things that we do in the evenings, we, uh, we largely kind of, you know, we're flexible. We're, we can do, we can move things around without having, like, uh, a ton of, kind of scheduling conflicts. Um, and uh, and because of that I think we, we there's a lot of freedom with what we can do. Um, and that's a good question. Maybe we should do more. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> in
0: all seriousness that is one of the virtues of of this season of life. I mean you maybe have more flexibility than than you do at other seasons. Um, flexibility in the short term to be spontaneous and, and flexibility in long-term plans and goals and dreams and and those things too. So, okay. All right, and lastly, we have Sarah Fenimore. Uh, Many of you know Sarah. Uh, Sarah is single, recent college graduate, getting started in a nursing career, Uh, and Sarah's family has been a part of Prairie View for a long time now. Each of them serves in some unique way, uh, and we're very grateful for them. So, Sarah, uh, under the question about opportunities uh, in this season of life, uh, you talked about working with people who don't believe in Jesus. Uh, with nursing, with retail, uh, what kinds of opportunities has been has being around non-believers given you?
4: Um, the main opportunity that's given me is just just basically show them God's love um, through my actions and what I say. Um, there's been many situations in both jobs that you can clearly see by the way somebody acts or what they say. It's clear that they don't believe, so I just try
0: to spread God's news. Sure, and you can do that often just as good, if not better, with actions than you can with words. So, okay. And then the second question, uh, in your answers, uh, it came across, and maybe you just came across this way because you were responding to me in an email, um, but it seems as though you are completely open to gaining wisdom from older believers, uh, and sometimes we have this stereotype of young people in general, but maybe even young Christians more specifically, that, oh, they're rebellious and they don't want to hear from us and they're arrogant. And they don't want our guidance. Uh, and at least from what you said, it sounds like that's not really the case. Uh, you do want wisdom. You do want people to teach and guide and encourage you and, and everything. So how can some of the older believers here in this church go about doing that? Uh, How can older believers do a better job of investing in you and mentoring you and sharing wisdom with you?
4: Well, kind of like what Wayne said, support. Um, For example, recently I had a really bad day at work, uh, and I was just able to contact one of the uh, older people in this church and kind of just been, and uh, they basically put a new spin on the situation and prayed with me and just, was there for support
0: okay so older believers these young believers in this church might want your guidance and your wisdom and your help more than you realize so okay i uh, will with that uh let's thank our guests for being up here this morning don't go yet so these people and the rest of the people who are going to be up here the next two weeks uh, they put a lot of thought and a lot of energy and a lot of effort into answering these questions. Uh, and they certainly stuck their necks out there by coming up here and being a part of my crazy preaching scheme. So uh, thank you to them. Thank you to all of you. Uh, with that, I'm going to close in prayer the way we always close uh, with our end of the sermon. Uh, but more specifically, I'm going to pray for each of these people. Uh, and I would ask you to pray for them and pray for the young people in our church as well. And when our prayer is over... Uh, Mark and the worship team, they're going to lead us as we sing uh, and close our service. So with that, I'll pray. Father, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for, again, your son Jesus who calls us together uh, across ages, across experiences, uh, across different seasons of life. Uh, We all worship you. We all worship your son. And Father, we have that in common, uh, even though we may lack other things uh, in common. And Father, thank you for the Bunnels, thank you for the Dinsmores, thank you for Sarah, uh, just their godliness at a young age, uh, their maturity. Uh, again, we are just inspired and encouraged uh, by young people who are willing to get up in front of some strangers even and talk openly about their faith, uh, talk about uh, their struggles, talk about their doubts, talk about their challenges, um, and ask for wisdom. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with the Bunnels, be with the Dinsmores, be with Sarah, be with the young people in our church. Uh, again, we're defining young as zero through 29, and we don't have anybody basically under the age of 25 up here, but we've got a ton of kids in the kids' kingdom hallway. We've got kids in the youth group uh, who are all facing unique challenges and unique um, hardships, even, with their faith. Um, This is a time where it's not really all that easy sometimes to be a young follower of Christ. Uh, So, Father, I pray that we as a church would do a good job of encouraging these people and loving these people and guiding these people and uh, valuing these people uh, as the gift to the church that they are. Uh, So, Father, again, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning. And we thank you for these people. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.